Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4 this morning. Colossians chapter 4. I want to read one verse to you today. Thirteen hours left in this day. Around the world, many will not see the end of this day. Many will go out into eternity. Each day that lies before us, we have 24 hours. 168 hours in a week. 365, sometimes 366 days in a year, 52 weeks. 8,760 hours. And yet, probably the most abused of gifts God has given us. In just the last several weeks, I have seen from a few days to 17, 25, 55, 75, and on up in ages that have gone out to meet the Lord. It has been people who had big families and people with hardly any families. People who were very unknown and people like a very famous singer of my day, B.J. Thomas, who went out to meet the Lord this weekend. Whether you're famous and rich, unknown and poor, time is flying by. God's Word tells us in Colossians 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to members of the church at Colossae. He's saying those within the church, within the body of Christ, need to be spending every moment aware of its preciousness and doing everything they can to make it worthwhile toward those who are outside. Nicholas Obstrovsky said, man's most precious possession is life. It is given to him but once and he ought to live it so as to have no torturous regrets of wasted years. To never know the burning shame of a mean and petty past. So live that dying he might say, all my life, all my strength, I've given for the greatest cause in all the world the struggle for the liberation of mankind. Listen, he said, being wise, walking in wisdom toward those who are outside the body of Christ, outside the precious grace of Jesus, redeeming the time. This word redeem in the Greek literally means to ransom or to rescue from loss. There are some people who are absolutely captivated by rescuing animals. And it's very commendable. They'll take in every stray there is. There are some people who are rescue homes for the strays of life, human beings. It seemed like our home was that growing up. My mother still jokes about getting up on Saturday morning and never being surprised that there was somebody asleep on the couch. And how God allowed my brothers and I to seem to make friends with those who had 
uh, broken homes and had terrible family and life situations. God allowed our home to be a, a home of refuge because of the grace my mother and dad displayed. You know, church ought to be that, and you and I must be that. But before we can be that, that rescue, that lifeboat for others, we must first check ourselves to redeem the time in our lives. Notice, first of all, today, time is not certain. We must live it carefully. The people who have gone out in eternity for the most part had no idea that when they got up that morning, they'd meet God before the sun went down. This weekend, we celebrate Memorial Day, not Veterans Day, not Flag Day, not Independence Day, Memorial Day. We remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice in laying their life down for our freedoms in America. These, though they may have been unexpected, just as those who the largest death toll in Desert Storm was in a barracks that one Scud missile didn't find its mark because those things were not guided. It was just a crazy fluke that it found this one place and killed more Americans than any other spot during that battle. But they took an oath to do whatever it takes to protect the Constitution and the people of the United States of America. And so they understood from basic training. They understood what their serial number was. They understood what the Constitution was. And they understood that they may have to pay the ultimate price. And for that, we ought to remember them this weekend. But my friends, there was one who paid much more. You see, our freedom in America is at a tipping point. There are those who are trying to steal it at every instance from freedom of speech to freedom of religion to the freedom and right to bear arms, the freedom to speak our heart and to worship our Lord. But no one could ever take away what was accomplished at Calvary. And therefore, we ought to fight for the freedoms of America, but church, we need to be fighting, standing up and redeeming the time. For what Jesus has done. Time is not certain. No wonder time flies. There's so many people trying to kill it. So it flies away. Time is gone because we just are out killing time. First of all, I want you to notice with me the fact of how we must live it carefully because time is brief. James 4, 13 and 14 says, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and we'll sell and we'll make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time 
and then vanishes away. Two years ago, Andrew and I sat at a table in a place called iCafe in San Pedro, La Laguna, around the table with pastors from all over the lake region of Guatemala. And one of those pastors of one of those city, uh, city churches around that lake that we drank coffee with and, and, and celebrated what Christ was doing around that area died just a few months ago. He was not 80 years old. It was not because he was in a third world country. But he got sick and at an early age went out to meet God. Such a sad, sad story. Except for the fact he knew Jesus. And he celebrated who he was in Christ by telling those of his countrymen, come to Jesus. We cannot begin as the rich fool. Listen, God calls anyone who thinks tomorrow is granted a fool. That's a very dangerous word, would you agree? The Bible says so. We throw it around like it's no, no big deal. That's a very dangerous word. See, God can do it because God understands. God called that rich man a fool who said, hey, I've done it all. Man, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I'm going to tear down barns, build bigger barns. People lived their whole life given to making money. And the moment they retire, they begin the process of dying, and some very quickly. Because their whole motivation for living is gone. Rather than serving God all the days of their life, they've served mammon. They've served the things that make the flesh feel good. He said, what's your life? It's a vapor. Much like the morning fog that burns off and is gone. It's very brief. Time is brief. I know, I grew up listening to old people tell me, you better wise up, boy, one day you'll snap your fingers and you'll be old. I don't know how I got a chance to stop and snap my fingers. And all of a sudden, I am saying the same things they were saying to me. And now I contemplate the times wasted in my life. I contemplate the things that I still want to see accomplished for the glory of God. I contemplate what God's got for us going forward. But can I tell you something? You and I both are not promised tomorrow. There's been a lot of sad news around our county. And I've spent many a day at the funeral home over the last year. But I'm going to tell you, if COVID-19 disappears tomorrow, that's not going away. The baby boom generation is the largest populated generation. And just based on statistics, more and more people are going to die. Our question must be, are they ready? Are we doing everything in our power? Listen to me, church. I'm so thankful. I asked Andrew this morning, I said, I don't know anybody else that gets to start a new job with a holiday. 
But come Tuesday, we're going to hit it. But here, listen to me in all seriousness. We spend a lot of effort, and praise God we do, on reaching our children. Bible school starts a week from today. I hope that our priorities change between now and then because Wednesday night, it wasn't very high on our priority to go and invite people based on the numbers. You know who cared? Our youth did. Our youth went and visited. That's who went and visited. You say, I just, that makes me nervous. Guess what? It makes me nervous. I'm not crazy about cold calling. I can stand and meet somebody in a restaurant and just strike up a conversation, but to get out of a church van and walk up to a strange door that I don't know absolutely petrifies me. You say, how can that be? You're a preacher. I'm still a man too. I have the same fears. I have the same things that many of you. Some of you don't have that fear, but you are scared to death to stand up here and do this. I'm able to do this because God called me to do it, not because I want to do it. But church, listen to me. We do a good job in reaching our children. We do a really good job. And we have people that really care about our youth. And we take them to camp. And we feed them on Wednesday nights. And we do things with them. But listen to me. Based on years, are we doing everything in our power to reach those of median age and senior adults? Because every senior adult is not saved. Are we being evangelistic with a 72-year-old, with an 81-year-old, with a 66-year-old? Are we presenting the gospel? Do we have the same inclination to minister to adults as we do to children and youth? Thank God we have birthed a new women's ministry and we're headed that way. Our men's ministry is getting reignited. And we're seeing things happen or going to see things happen. But we need to understand time is brief. It's also baffling. Have you ever just kind of come to your senses and realized the sun's fixing to go down? And you're like, where did time go? What happened? And, and, I, wanna, and I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Please don't get mad at me on this. But I would urge you against making statements like when you look at your four-month-old and say, oh, they're almost grown. Where has the time gone? Please, time stand still. Walk with me through the cemetery and I'll show you where time stands still. You don't want time to stand still. You want to see that four-month-old be a four-year-old and a 14-year-old and a 24-year-old and a 44-year-old. That's what you want. And you want to see them honor God rather than honoring self. That's what our motivation should be. Time is baffling. You wake up one day, and I've looked at all the awards, and I'm so proud of everyone here. I mean, my mother asked me about several of our youth and young people in our church and said, did anybody else in their school get any awards? Because it looks like they got them all. I'm proud of that. But can I tell you, in my memories, Facebook is both good and bad. I love to look at the memories until I hate to look at the memories. I'll look, and there's my children at 10, 11 years old, 
being voted in and, and whatever they did into Junior Beta Club and holding all their awards. And now they're 21 and 23 years old. And time is fleeting. I remember sometimes when I'm talking to my mother and I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to mom because I'm her boy. And then I realize I'm 56 years old. I'm not going to tell you how old mom is. Time is baffling, isn't it? He said in Proverbs 27, do not, do not boast about tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow I'm going to get all this done. We're going to have a big day. Man, we're going to cook ribs. We're going to do all this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. You know who said that? Solomon. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the wisest man said, do not boast about all the things you're going to do. Live today. For you have no idea what tomorrow may hold. It's beyond reach. Do you know in the famous words of that great theologian, Willie Nelson, yesterday is dead and gone, and tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is really a phrase, a, a figure of speech that we apply to the future, but to, we never experience tomorrow. For when tomorrow comes, it's today. There's not like this groundhog clicking of the clock and Sonny and Cher begin to sing and we stop and we pause and we watch it change from tomorrow to today. It literally never ends. You're always living in today. Tomorrow never comes. You see, it's beyond reach. Matthew 6, 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself and its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm going to tell you, without worrying about what this week's going to hold, you got enough problems to worry about today. That's what he's telling us. Jesus said that. Jesus said, concentrate on taking that, not concentrating on fixing yourself today. Concentrate on giving it all to Jesus today because he's got tomorrow. Satan's going to have different poise tomorrow. You can't outsmart and outthink and out-chess play all of those things. But I've got great news for you. God says, I am. Therefore, God is never living in the past or in the, in the future. God is always present in our lives. He's eternal. And he's victorious over death, hell, and the grave no matter what comes. God is going to be on his throne. It's beyond reach. Give it to Jesus. Listen, time is not certain. We need to live it carefully. Redeeming the time. Time is not simple either. You know, I don't want a fancy jangled up watch telling me whether I've done it healthy or not. I find it pretty cool. I watched Michelle go James Bond and answer her phone. I'm like, what? Really? Uh, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. But I'm not that complicated. I, I can't. Now, when I say, I'm not trying to be cool in that. I'm just trying to say, I don't figure that stuff out. 
you know, I got that problem. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to call Andrew. I'm going to call Ethan. I'm going to call him. I said, fix this. You know, fix it. I can't get why. Fix it. Here. And they'll say, well, do it. No, no, no. Here, you do it. I don't want, just do it. Just do it. I like a good old plane. I got 12 marks on my watch. And I can tell time the good old Seth Thomas way. Y'all know what Seth Thomas is. You never been in school? The black and white clocks, they're all Seth, they used to all be Seth Thomas clocks. And I hated Seth Thomas because that was the slowest clocks on earth. Time is not simple. We need to live it cleverly. Look again what he says. Walk in wisdom. Be wise regarding the time, and those that are outside, redeeming it. Someone said time heals all things, except a leaky faucet. You say, oh, it'll fix itself. No, it won't. No. You see, we need to be clever in the way we live by realizing the extent of it. Psalm 90, 12, the psalmist said, teach us to number our days. We do on a headstone, past tense. But while we're still living and breathing, he said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom so that we'll know how to live tomorrow when tomorrow becomes today. That we'll know what we need to do when our children get older. Yeah, we won't have it all figured out and have an orientation manual. There's no way to know some of that stuff, but there is a way to trust the Lord and know Him for whatever may come. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, there's some all over this building today. Like me, sometimes you just don't know what to pray about. You know what to pray about, you just don't know how to pray. Family life, job, finances, just you. And there's this unbearable weight that is stifling you. And, and you want to pray. You so desperately want to trust God, but you don't even know how to start. You don't know, God, do I ask for this? And, and you're trying to pray in God's will. You just know Something needs to change. I've got wonderful and glorious news. God said the triune God of the universe, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will take care of that for you. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says when you can't even pray that the Holy Spirit will make groanings for you knowing who you are and what you need and will carry it through Jesus Christ and who carries it before the throne of the Father. Amen. Me too, Mike. Everybody in this room, if they'll be honest, has been there or is there. And if you you're going there. But the great, wonderful, glorious news... Is God's got it. He had it when Joshua didn't know what to do. 
He had it when Elijah was scared to death that Jezebel was going to kill him. He had it when Saul and all of David's brothers stood up there on the hill overlooking the valley of Elah. I've been there. You need to go with me next year and ride by. It's a little valley and this little tail or a little hill up there and they're all up there and they're listening to this giant mocking them and they're worried to death and they're wringing their hands and thinking our whole life is over. Well it's just going to fall apart much like many of us today worrying about America and this little boy that come to bring a sack lunch to his brother empowered by God Almighty walks into the valley slays the giant and sets the captives free. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but God may have a David, or you may be David in the face of an insurmountable perceived giant. Listen, we need to realize the extent of it. Teach us to number our days. And we need to live it cleverly by redeeming it. Now, what did redeem mean? To ransom or to rescue from loss. Take that. And, you know, people sell anything. I was going to throw something away this weekend. Somebody said, don't throw it. Put it on a marketplace. Somebody will buy it. Don't throw it away. Don't throw anything away. Put it on marketplace. Somebody will buy it. And the old adage is, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Well, I want to tell y'all, I got plenty of treasures. Y'all just need to come get it. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, we'll set up an appointment. I'll let you shop through all of the treasures. I've seen people take what looked absolutely worthless and make it worth piles of money. Jay, real guitarists, they, they don't care about brand new guitars. They want a 59. They want one that the case is rotting around it, but the guitar was made in 1959. That's, that's where it's at. Well, he needs three or four of them. Now, you got to pay me back on the next one. They hadn't made a decent car in 45, 50 years. I mean, even my car in 1966 is not considered a hot rod. It's a muscle car. Hot rods were before that. Dean, you can amen anywhere in here. That's where the good ones were made. In the 30s, do you, I, I saw a picture this week was the anniversary of the 15th millionth Ford that was made. Do you know it was a T model? Wasn't a Mustang in the 60s? Wasn't a Thunderbird in the 50s? It wasn't uh, uh, some Fairmont made in the 70s. It was still, they had made 15 million vehicles by the mid-20s. What I'm telling you here today is, People can take that which seems absolutely worthless to someone else and they can spend a little time and care pouring into it and make it worthwhile. 
where they can sell it for piles of money. A lot of stuff we threw away. When we were in the grocery store, the old tins and all that kind of stuff, man, people are retiring on what some of that stuff's worth. A Honus Wagner baseball card that come in a box of tobacco sold in the last month for $3.9 million. A baseball card. How many of you, you didn't have a Honus Wagner. There's only four, I think, in existence. But how many of you had Mickey Mantle cards? How many of you had Sandy Koufax cards and you put them in the spokes of your bicycles? Right? We tore up stuff. We lived in it. I'm telling you, people can take things that seem worthless and make it worthwhile. Guess what? That's what this room is full of. That which is absolutely, utterly worthless. The world sees us as a threat that needs to be gone. And God looks down and through the blood of Jesus Christ sees us as the most valuable thing in all of eternity. There is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing and no one more important than you. I don't say that in prideful arrogance, but I say that in the knowledge of knowing that no person ever born on the face of the earth was not created in the image of God. And knowing that Jesus Christ went to Calvary to redeem that which was lost, leaving the 99 that he may find that one. And praise God in 1972, he found this lost one. And redeemed that which was worthless and made me worthwhile. Doesn't matter what my enemy says. What matters is what my father says. My friends, we need to be redeeming it. He said in Ephesians 5, see that you walk very carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think we can agree with that last part, can't we? Well, then every day before we leave the house, before we turn the radio on, before we start looking at our phones, before we look at our daytimers, we need to get on our face before God and we need to pray, Lord, make me what you want me to be that today would count for your kingdom. Richard Baxter said in spending your time, Spend your time in nothing which you know must be repented of. In nothing on which you might not pray for the blessing of God. In nothing which you could not review with a very quiet conscience on your dying bed. Spend your time in nothing which you might not safely and properly be found doing if death should surprise you in the act. Spend your time wisely. Do so, living it cleverly by realizing the extent of it, by redeeming it, and by remembering God. Ecclesiastes 12.1 The preacher wrote, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Oh, but when I get older and I get married and we have kids, uh, uh, we're going to go to church. And then the kids come and say, well, when they get a little older, we'll come. 
Listen to me today. If you're watching online and you're still using anything and everything in the excuse, you are not promised tomorrow. Get your children under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Teach them to worship God. My friends, it is so vitally important to remember our Creator in the days of our youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Finally, this morning, knowing that we're living on borrowed time, time is not settled. We need to live every moment confidently. It's not all just mapped out and we're robots. Yes, God is sovereign. That doesn't... the. Free will that God gives us does not limit the sovereignty of God. We couldn't have free will if God didn't give it to us. God's in control of it. If God made Adam and Eve sin, based on the fullest extent of saying God is sovereign in every single thing, and He is, but using that as overlying, making every decision for us, then God made Adam and Eve sin. And if God made Adam and Eve sin, God can't be good. And if He's not good, He's not great. And if He's not great, He's not God. You see, some have given the definition of sin as the absence of that which is good. That's wrong. It's not. Good was present in the garden. He said, it is very good, right? What sin is, is the corruption of that which is good. We have taken life which God has given us, and so often we have corrupted it. We have taken it in our bodies, and we've corrupted it into the filth that the world sells. We have taken love, which is the most beautiful thing in a marriage, And we have taken that and we've even called that act making love outside of marriage. It's not. Love is real and given by God. Do you know the word, the words for love? There's basically five in the Greek language, but there's only two really mentioned in the Bible. Phileo which is a brotherly love, a bonding together, and agape, a love feast, that which is above what we could do. But the Greek word eros, that we take our English word erotic from, is never found in Scripture, ever. You can find it on any app, you can find it on any channel, at any time, on any day. And the world is constantly heavy selling it. Young boys and girls are being trafficked all over the world and we turn a blind eye because of things that makes the flesh feel good. Hear me today. Time is not settled. We need to live every moment confidently. I hear young couples say, well, we'll get married, and if it don't work out, we'll just get a divorce. Hear me today. Your marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant that was never meant to be broken. We all find time to do exactly what we really want to do. 
Well, preacher, I'd come to Bible school, but you know, I just got this. Well, I'd tithe, but I got this. I'm going to tell you something. We have borrowed and extended and gone on trips and gone everywhere else to where we have absolutely budgeted God out of our time and out of our wallet. Oh, me. If God's not number one in your checkbook, God's not number one in your calendar, God's not number one in your planning, then God's not number one. And by the way, God said, I'll never be number two, ever. And so that which becomes number one becomes our God. The truth is, we all find time to do what we really want to do. If we really want to do it, we'll do it. If we want to go to Sunday school, we'll go to Sunday school. We won't blame everything else. Why I can't sleep, I can't get this, I can't, I can't go on this, I can't be part of the men's thing, I can't go to women's thing, I can't come to youth. I'm telling you, you do what you want to do. Believers, it's time to wake up. There are no holidays in hell. We can't just check out any day and every day. Listen, I'm, I'm a firm believer that whoever planned a five-day work week jacked us up. Why couldn't it be a two- or three-day work week and the rest of it be the weekend? I don't understand that. That's somebody else's philosophy on work. I, I, I don't understand why it couldn't be the opposite. If it was all the same, then it'd all be evil, even playing field, right? So I get it. I love a great trip. Man, I love it. I love seeing new things. I love going out to eat. And I love playing new golf courses. I, know, I love all that. But my friends, it can never take the place of what God wants to do in my life. Senior adults, just because you retire does not mean God's not done with you. You can't just check out. These young people need to see you setting the example. You need to be here on prayer meeting. You need to be in Sunday school. I'm telling you, there's a lot of really smart people in this room, but nobody knows it all. There's still stuff you can learn from the Word of God. I know some don't think it. They think they figured it out. Just ask them. But it's time to wake up. It's time to wise up. Speaking of golf, there are no mulligans. I've played with people and they'll say, hey, can I hit another one? I said, man, I'm a Baptist that believes in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a grace preacher. Hit three if you want. You know, I don't care. I don't care. I really don't. It don't bother me as long as they're not dragging me down and they're hunting for every ball that they lose. Now, if you hit three in the woods, that's your fault. Keep going. You run out of golf balls, you're done. But if you want to hit three from this one spot, you're trying to figure something out, big deal. But I'm going to tell you, when you're on the pro tour, you're playing in college stuff, you don't get a mulligan. You don't get what they call a breakfast ball. You know, 
You play like we do, get two off first tee. And if you get old and you make your own rules as you go, you get two off the first tee and the tenth tee. And any other tee you want to take two off of. They're called mulligans. It's a do-over. Somebody posed a question the other day. It said, if you could go back to high school, would you? I cannot give you enough adjectives, so I'll just simply say no. No. They gave me that diploma, and I'm not giving it back. I don't care what they find, what they dig up, unearth. I got it. Statue of limitations is run out. But I say that jokingly and yet seriously because those were the worst, wrecked, worthless, not worthless, useless, because I chose to rebel against God and my parents. And I live with that regret until the moment I face God for it, judge for it, and it's gone forever. But until then, I will live with that regret. I could have been a soul winner in high school, but I wasn't. And I would stand there and people would be mocking others, mocking God. And I would just simply be quiet. Because I was afraid somebody might not like me. Oh, how I would change that. My friends, we need to understand how precious time is. And we need to wise up because you know what? I don't get a mulligan for my teenage years. I don't get a mulligan when I flew off the handle when my kids didn't do something right or I acted a fool at a ball game or whatever. I was a jerk in traffic. Threw a fit on the job. I don't get a do-over there. I can apologize, repent, and move on, but I can't change it. It's done. It's written in all eternity. There are no mulligans. It's time to wise up. Church, as believers, it's time to work and witness. There's no overtime. There's no playoff holes. There's no extra innings. When the horn blows, the last whistle and trump sounds, we will not go into overtime. It will be done. Are we doing everything God wants us to do as believers? Are we going to make this the best Bible school or it'll be blah, it'll be, it'll be as good as last year? Is that good enough for God? Is that good enough for God? Do you want people to be just good enough for your kids? You want to be just good enough with your parents if they're at the doctor? Well, it's good enough. Lives hang in the balance, church. Are we going to check out for the summer? Are we going to bear down and be everything God wants us to be? And listen, if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, this time is only one thing. You only have time for one thing, and it is time 
to accept Jesus Christ. It is time. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not when I get in middle school and high school, when my kids get through with college, not when I get home because everybody's watching. I'm telling you, all that matters right now is that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because listen, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. He didn't wait. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. He was right on time. When the fullness of time was come in the plan of eternity, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them. And so how does that apply to us? 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells you this. If you're lost, I want to speak expressly to you. And for Christians who are putting off telling a loved one or a neighbor or a friend, inviting that child to Bible school that may not know the Lord, listen to what God's Word said. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Gather you rosebuds while you may. Old time, it is a flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that if tomorrow never comes, you'll be with God? If you know that, but you know that you have not been using what time God, you're so worried about time, you're not redeeming it. You're not using it to bring glory to God. You say, I used to teach and I used to serve and I used to do this. Isn't it time to get rid of the used tos? I got a great place for you to bring it right here in Lee. Christian, it's time to get on fire for God. Lost person, it's time to know Jesus. We're living on borrowed time. Won't you cash it in today? and make the absolute best use of this hour that you ever could by giving your life to Jesus. Stand and come. Come to Jesus this morning. Not to me. Come to 